This cycle is not a 2013 double pump in a, a blow-off top. This is completely different. This is the new 2020 onward cycle, which we've never seen before. Hello there from Texas, the Bitcoin capital of the United States. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with our boy, Willie Wu. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors. And first up today, we have Gemini, who I am exclusively using for buying and selling Bitcoin. But as ever, as I keep telling you, I'm not selling any Bitcoin right now. I am only buying Bitcoin. And I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips, but also I have set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. Next up, we have it's Revolut, and as you all know, because I've been going on about this for ages, Lloyd's TSB, my bank of 25 years, closed down all of my accounts recently. They clearly don't like Bitcoin. And do you know what happened? Revolut, they reached out to me and they said, Peter, we like Bitcoin, come on, jump over to us. So I moved everything over to Revolut. It took me about two hours, and I am now a Revolut customer. And you know what? More importantly, they like Bitcoin and they want to make it easy for you to transfer to exchanges. And now Revolut are offering you $20 or £20 to sign up. All you have to do is complete three card transactions. It only takes a few minutes to set up, and you can create a card and add it to Apple Pay and immediately get that cash in your pocket. But you know what I would do? I'd convert that straight to Bitcoin. If you want to find out more, then just head over to revolut.com forward slash WBD, which is R-E-V-O-L-U-T.com forward slash WBD. Next up, we have BlockFi, who I am pleased to announce just launched the BlockFi Rewards Visa Signature Card. Now, for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, the BlockFi Rewards Credit Card provides the easiest way to earn more Bitcoin because you can get 1.5% in Bitcoin back on every card purchase. It is the smartest way to stack stats. And you know what? Not only do you get 1.5% back in all card purchases, but you get 3.5% back in Bitcoin for every card use in the first three months of ownership. And you know what? Every spend over $50,000, you get 2% back. If you're interested in finding out more, then please head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And also, we have to talk about Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin. And you know, I've been a Ledger customer since early 2017, and I'm still using the same Nano S I bought back then. Ledger makes it easy for you to safely manage your Bitcoin using their Ledger Live software, which interfaces with your device. And if you are an Android phone user, you can connect that to your Nano S and manage your Bitcoin on the go. If you want to find out more, please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Okay, so on to the show, and I'm back with my boy, Willy Woo, for our monthly catch-up on the markets. Now, this one's going to be a bit different. Instead of getting straight into the on-chain data with Willy, we ended up going down a bit of a rabbit hole and talking about creating Bitcoin content and what a pain it is to use the traditional banking payment rails. But don't worry, we do get back into the markets. Willy is bullish and I am bullish as fuck. Now, Bitcoin has been absolutely flying since the 30K bottom. And last week we broke through 50K for the first time since May. So it's absolutely loads to catch up with Willy. And he crushed it as always. 
He always does this. Come on. Now, I'm sure you're going to love this one as ever. But if you do want to reach out to me, if you've got any questions, you can hit me up on my email, which is hello or whatbitcoindid.com, or you can jump into my Telegram group. Anyway, on to Willie, on to the show. I do hope you enjoy this one. Well, you know, it is the morning for me because um, oh. I'm in Dallas. <gasps> I I'm not in the UK. Yeah, so usually it's about lunchtime-ish when we speak, but it, I'm in Dallas. Oh, so okay. it's, it's eight in the morning now. Oh, that's right. You've been on holiday. How was your vacation? Oh, dude, it was amazing. Like, uh, I, I, no, I don't normally take long vacations. And when I do, we usually, it's just me and the kids because uh, they're, kids and they need constant attention we just go on uh, kind of more like adventures so we went to Cambodia and Vietnam once and so then every day you're doing something because usually if you just sat around with kids you don't get a chance to relax because they just need entertaining all day which is fine but because um, we were coming into the US we had to go somewhere for two weeks so uh, I just said yeah fuck it let's go somewhere let's go to the Caribbean so we went to the Turks and Caicos Islands um, oh nice man honestly it's like it's paradise. It's parad- actual paradise. It's the actual photos you see in magazines where it's clear water and white sand beaches. Um, yeah, it's had two weeks. I've got a tan. I've got actual color in my skin for once, which is nice. That's man. awesome. I mean, I, I was meant to be there with my um, partner for two months, you know. Um, couldn't make it because of quarantine um, issues and baby. But yeah, um, my friend sent me all the photos. <laughs> you know what the funny thing was? We came, we flew into Miami afterwards. It's, it's like an hour and 20 minute flight. I was thinking, God, if I lived in Miami, I'd be going all the time. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's so close, right? Along the mm. East Coast. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. All so right, you saw, um, you, you saw uh, yeah, well, we're recordings. So this is, we, this, oh, okay. this is part of the show. So you saw that uh, <laughs> I declared I might dump the Willy Woo show. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, don't do that. No, no, I understand you. Like, um, I'll yeah. tell you what it was. I'll tell you the funny story. So it's more like me and my um, producer, Danny, we speak every week and we have you know hour to two hour conversations about where the show's going, what's happening with the show, what we're doing. And we're always looking forward, like where can we take it next? And one of the things I've been saying to him is that sometimes I feel like if the if the mission is Bitcoin and the mission is like... How um, you know how Bitcoin can help people? Uh, I think sometimes focusing too much on price can be a bit of a distraction because one, I'm not a trader, and uh, secondly, I'm 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 thinking, well, look, I want this podcast to be something that pushes humanity forward. I know that sounds hyperbolic and stuff, but I was thinking. <laughs> it's also, it's like those tweets. I don't know if you ever saw. Like every time Bitcoin went up a thousand dollars, I retweeted the new price. We just went up and up and up, and then I was like, "So I decided I'm not going to do that anymore." Um, so one of the things we were talking about is that yeah, you know, we've been considering making the show not just a Bitcoin show. You know, in the future, would it be uh, like a wider set of guests because we talk about the ah. same stuff every week? So I was thinking, if we do that, one of the you know one of the shows that might have to go might be the Willy Woo show, and it's quite a sacrifice because it's it's my biggest show. Like I don't mind telling you this. You, it's the, you know, put out a Willy Woo show, you get over 100,000 downloads. I mean, two of my Willy Woo shows are in my top five of all time. And uh, okay. if, you, if you put the correct title, like if I title this uh, Bitcoin 300K by end of year, it will do 150 to 200,000 downloads of, a, of the yeah. million I do every month. So, um, so yeah, so we, we've discussed the ideas like if we do it, the only reason we're doing it is for the show. We're actually sacrificing downloads and revenue for it. 
So well, let me ask this question: Is like um, going wider than Bitcoin? Um, yeah. Like, what's the the thought behind that? Like, like you talk like my my following is that um, you wanted to get down to the roots of Bitcoin. You know, like the change it can make in the world, that kind of thing. Um, like, if you go wider than Bitcoin, what are you going? Like, you're going to talk about geopolitics, that type of thing, or? Yeah, maybe. I think what it is is. <laughs> You know, I've interviewed everyone in Bitcoin now. I've been really fortunate. I think the only there's like a couple of people left. Uh, Liz Starks, I haven't, but you know, we've got that plan that's going to happen. Hopefully, at some point, Jack Dorsey. I asked him uh, if I could interview him at, in Miami. He said yes. So there's a kind of like, if you do the tick list of everyone, I've kind mm. of done everyone. I've interviewed uh, I Zabo. You. you want to move? Yeah, I got you now. Yeah, I interviewed BK oh, Lee. That's quite different. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, when I say go wider, it's like I've had I've spoke to everyone, I've had every conversation, and like uh I, I mean, unless you hate me, which there are a few people obviously that fucking hate me and want to die, want me to die. <laughs> but like if if you don't hate me, then you've probably listened you you listen to my show, and if I get a big guess, you listen to it. And we've got loads of po- good podcasters really out there doing great stuff for Bitcoin. So I was like Right, if I want to level up, I've got a million downloads a month. If I want to get to 10 million, how do you get there? And I think you know, one of the things you can do is say, <clears throat> okay, it's no longer just a Bitcoin show. It is a you know a Pete McCormack show, yeah, and a bit like a bit like you know how Rogan does like comedians, MMA, and mm-hmm. weirdos. I I could be like Bitcoin macro and weirdos. You know, you know, I've been thinking about this right because like I'm a numbers guy, and it's mm-hmm. like I think it's a mistake. Um, like no, myself excluded from this picture. Um, I know it's a mistake. It's a mistake, right? It's a mistake in that you're basically underestimating Bitcoin's growth, right? Um, you know, I just put out a tweet. It's like in um, in 2028, we're going to have like two billion people on this network. So Bitcoin mm-hmm. becomes part of the fabric of every everybody's lives. And you're you're deciding here to like, I want to branch out bigger than this small pond called Bitcoin because it's so early. And you'll branch us elsewhere, and you're not going to you 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 know the 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 show grows the show grows with Bitcoin and the the topic of Bitcoin grows and encompasses the entire world, right? Like mm-hmm. um, geopolitics, governance, um, how nation states are run, how economies are run, how you know um, the poor. In developing countries, can get access. So this is like it's it, the the topic of Bitcoin is huge. You know, it's not like um, it's not like this little pond, and then I have to go bigger because this pond's not growing. This pond is growing like a big freaking black hole, sucking in the whole universe. And you you're going. Oh, I'm thinking I want to um, jump ship in a way, or go bigger and capture from this base, capture the world. When the thing you're covering is capturing the world. I and, know. And you've got the number one podcast, and you know the number two podcast is Pomp, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's gone beyond Bitcoin to capture all interesting topics. Yet you're still number one, and why is that? This thing is growing, and you're yeah. capturing it. All you have to do is fill the facets of um, Bitcoin as it grows. This feels like a bit of a telling off, Willie. No, it's just like my <laughs> very opinionated opinion. Um, I actually thought you were like. You know, because I was watching the um, the interview with um, Parabolic guy, right, um, Jason yeah. O. Williams, and 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 he's, you know, you guys are talking about like mm-hmm. um, how the community's just like it's just trolling, and it, you know, it's a um, you know cancel culture, and you know, it's just turned into some sort of train wreck. Um, 
And I thought, well, I thought you actually meant like, well, we just don't want to cover price because that's just like everyone's just looking at price and we're not looking at the important topics. Um, and if it was that, um, I would understand it and I would counter argue because I, I've, you know, I don't do what I do because of price. I do it because, um, like, if Bitcoin's going to make impact, um, it needs to grow in its uh, market cap. So it's large enough to swallow the world's economy, mm. um, and the best thing I do is the best thing I can do in the skills I have and the reach I have so far is um, really just get that out to investors. So when they look at it, this is like, oh, that's a legitimate investor. There's, that's an investment, legitimate investment. There's fundamentals behind it. It's not all like. Um, Dogecoin memes, um, and there's some data behind it, and that no, I'm not going to sell because um, you know the latest FUD round from whatever Bloomberg article comes around, and so that's what I think my role is: is to provide retail, um, not institutional, but retail um, access to high quality analysis that um, can understand the investment they're in. And then it can help that market cap grow and more people would come in with confidence so that it's big enough to make some meaningful impact on the world economy. Um, yeah, look, I, I know you're right. I mean, I know it's a mistake. And I, I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do it. It's just... <laughs> I'm going to do this mistake. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things I, I, I keep thinking about. It's like sometimes there's people I want to interview and I don't get it because they're like, oh, it's a Bitcoin show. I don't want to talk about Bitcoin. Like I, I missed oh, out on right. somebody recently that like I really wanted to interview. Um, <laughs> so there's that as well, um, uh, but no, I'm, look, I, I know it's like mathematically it's a mistake, but then there's the flip side where it's like, well, if Bitcoin can have this impact on the world, I, I know the small part I can play is onboarding people and be willing to deflect all the complications around it and just be the idiot and says like, explain that to me again. I don't understand it. Like, and and if you're right, we go to two billion users. Then perhaps you know I serve. My small part in that is helping on board some of those. So I know that as well. I was actually, I was with Parker Lewis uh, yesterday, actually, in this hotel room. We recorded an interview because I even said to him, I said, I was even thinking of selling all my Bitcoin. He was like, What? <laughs> I was like, Because I want, I, I'm, I was thinking, if, if I didn't own Bitcoin, would I be more objective or not? Like, I was questioning that. And he right. gave me a very good defense of that. And so I'm not selling my Bitcoin. But, but it is something on my mind. But the funny thing, the th funny thing I wanted to tell you is the amount of emails I had come in saying, no, don't get rid of the Willy show. No, don't. <laughs> I need that show. And I was like, shit. So basically, I'm going to lose half my listeners now if I do. <laughs> hey, hey, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> we'll be here. If you're um, still doing it, I will be he'll probably still here in a year or like, something. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's your call. Um, I, I I do think that um, this thing's going to grow, um, and I don't know why. Like you can't just do that anyway. Like yes, and um, well, I think it's just a bandwidth. I think the other way to do it. Well, the, the, you can't have two shows. I tried having two shows, and it just doesn't work. You've got to focus on one. The other thing is just to sh change the show name. Just to just take Bitcoin out of the title, which means you like lose some SEO benefits. But when you reach out to someone to interview them, it's a bit like Lex Friedman. He's the like the AI guy, but he talks to anyone he wants to talk to. Mm. You could be the Bitcoin guy, but just so just you can do the the Peter McCormick show. Um, 
something like that. Well, I tell you what, there was this guy who put out this tweet thread about what happened in Afghanistan and the economics of it. And I really wanted to talk to him and I really want to, I'm still going to try and get him on, but I don't want to turn it into a Bitcoin conversation. I don't want to go, well, Bitcoin can fix Afghanistan. I just don't want to get into that conversation, but I do want to understand what happened with the central bank in Afghanistan. I want to understand what happened with the asset freezes because... Yeah, the Taliban is um, sanctioned. So I, I do want to have those conversations. And it's just like, does does the Bitcoin name put people off? Because they'll go, oh, great. So basically, mm. this is going to be a show about Bitcoin fixing Afghanistan. So do you see what I mean? It's like, it, it becomes a bit of a yeah. complicated it's factor. It's a, a branding issue, isn't it? It's just mm. whatever gets them on board. Um, yeah. yeah. I do want to problem to solve. I do want to tickle a little rant out of you because I saw one of your tweets. Uh, I want to talk to you about what happened with Substack and, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've moved over to Bitcoin, which is, you know, accepting Bitcoin, which is awesome. Is that, by the way, is, is that Substack have allowed it for everyone or just for you? Currently for me, rolling out to others, I think, I imagine Dan Held will be next. Um, like, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I contacted them really early and talk to their their staff um, and um, they're like yeah it's on the roadmap sometime wishy-washy hand wavy um, and then um, you know the, the relationship developed as the the letter started to rise on their, their rankings and then you know, it, you know actually the letter blew them away because it um, was not the profile of any of their substack stuff right which was like do all this free content and you know there's a standard content creation thing you do and mine was like um, completely different because I was leveraging my Twitter um, following and um, and of course what I write is not really like what they do and so it was really interesting to them and eventually that culminated into talking with the founders um, and you know like eventually deep into um, well early into this year um, they agreed to um, do Bitcoin for me um, and they just didn't have um, the resources at that point and they resourced it like, um, you know, it was only um, maybe a month ago they resourced it and, and then and they had already selected OpenNode as the partner to do that and, you know, they nailed it. They nailed it within within um, exactly the, the, the rollout plan and, and, and time. So... You know, within schedule. Um, you know, honestly, I was ready to um, move to Ghost um, and build okay, wow. it myself. And because right from the get go, I was I was ready to um, launch with Bitcoin, but I just didn't have the bandwidth to go into managing the development around it to to build that. And um, so actually, it came in the nick of time because I was in in the in, in motions to migrate and. Um, and yeah, so it's live now, um, and it's awesome. And I'm really hoping that there'll be a big response with that because they're going to use it as a test case. They're really looking at um, how much reception there is, um, and I'm just really keen to see like Bitcoin become super popular um, amongst at least the the crypto publications um, for them to go, wow, okay, this is something. This is a, you know. Like mostly the story of accepting Bitcoin is like, yeah, it just doesn't work. Um, then we'll cancel it. Like Stripe offered Bitcoin way back in, what was it, 2015, 2016? And then they canceled it because no one was using it. Um, so, um, and for me, I'm like, 
I basically doubled the price if you're um, using Fiat because I don't want to deal with banks. There's just been months. Like you've had issues with your your business with banks. Yeah. I've had no end of issues. Like, well, this is the rant I want to tease lost. out of you. It's just literally weeks lost. It's like, um, like, um, I mean, for example, um, here's an example. Because what do, most people think banking works fine if you're a normie. You know, but if once you're on international rails and money is coming in from one jurisdiction to the other, and it's in a foreign currency, and there's there's um, fun significant fun movements between the two, um, you know, it, it's it starts to become problematic. Um, and so, first off, from going through Stripe and the credit cards, and before that, and then that that comes it gets accepted this is what actually happens it gets accepted um, by stripe stripe then um, converts the us dollar into um, hong kong dollars cuz my bank is in hong kong um, and then they um, then wire the money across to me in hong kong um, so that process costs me was it like 4% plus another 1% because the 4X. By the time it gets to me, it's 5% taken and clipped off the ticket. Um, and then I have to convert it back into US dollars. The bank then clips it again. And if I ever want to stack sats with that, um, then I've got to, you know, the, the, you know, I've gone to US dollars again and then I'm moving it into an exchange um, and then, you know, it's another wire transfer. It's just, so it, it's, it's very slow. Um, but then, on top of that, um, just we just had no end of issues with um, the bank. You know, like I started, it took us. You know, this is with DBS Bank in Hong Kong. They had a two-day. Um, you can start a business, and we'll open up your business account in two days, and it's online exp expedited um, sort of process. So we did that. You know, we filled in the forms. And then um, nothing came back. And then, like maybe three weeks into it, we got to talk to somebody, and they said, and they just said, "What is your business? This is this and that and that and that and that and that and that." And then it took um, two and a half months before they enabled the account. So I was using my personal account um, <clears throat> up to then. Two and a half months into it, they enabled it. Um, then. Um, we had issues with Stripe sending the money into that bank account um, because there was issues with the um, the name because, um, like, initially the name was under um, it was the name was under my name, and then they wired into the company name, and all the documents said that if I am the shareholder of this and I'm the director and the only owner of it, then there's no problems. There are problems. So you got all this paperwork to work through. Took um, operations guy like I think about three weeks of calls with Stripe and the banks to figure out um, how to get this all done. Um, and the, so now we're like, um, what, three and a half months into it? And then, like um, the wire money, the, the wired money is not no longer being rejected and being bounced back, and it's it's de being deposited. Um, but the US dollar account's not showing up online banking. So now I'm going to like, can you load up the you know click and point right? No, it's not. I've got to go back into the city. It takes an hour's drive, whole day spent filling in forms, um, wait another few weeks, and like 
still not working. I like I call them. They say, yeah, there was issues with the um, with the form. Um, you didn't fill it in right. And I said, what do you mean? I just went to the teller and I signed everything that they filled in. So your bank filled in the forms for yourself, and I just signed it, and it failed. <laughs> so, you know, then it's like another three weeks. Now we're into like four and a half months before this whole system's up and running. And it's just been ongoing since the whole, um, you know, that's one case with it. And this is the better bank than the bank I was working with before. So, um, you know, when the, the crypto rails um, went online, Bitcoin went online, I was like, oh, one less thing. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I just don't think people realize how painful um, banking rails is. And I'm not even talking about the delays and um, wiring and all that sort of stuff that most people um, talk about. It's just... Yep. It's bullshit. Banks, yeah. I mean, um, I had it with... Um, I used to have a business account with... Oh, who was it? One of the, one of the neo banks, And they closed my account... Uh, we changed the structure of the company. Just my one of my accountants, one of my accountants, my accountant, the amazing Laura. Uh, she wanted to change the structure of the company to have a holding company, a subsidiary, um, just for certain tax purposes. And so they ended up closing my account because they don't allow subsidiaries to hold accounts. I was like, oh. So I was like, is there any way of having an account with you? She said, and they said no. So so we were done with then. I, every neo bank I applied had the same rule. So I went to. Uh, the traditional banks like NatWest and et cetera, et cetera. And I applied and NatWest and Barclays both rejected me. Uh, and they didn't give me any reason. They just said, we're not willing to give you a business account. And even though I was like, you know, this is an operational business. It's been operational for uh, you know, three years. <laughs> I've got six figures in the account. I just want to transfer over. Nope, they both rejected me. So I ended up using my personal account like you did to run it, the my lawyer's personal account. And then I had that review, that call where they phoned me up and said, look, we want to do an account review. We want to know what this money going from here to here is. And I said, look, it's none of your business. <laughs> and they, uh, I'm a grown adult with two children. Um, I, I don't need to tell, I don't need a parent. So, um, so then they just wrote to me and closed my accounts down. So I had six weeks to get an account. I ended up with Revolut, who came on as a sponsor in the end. But I ended up with mm. Revolut Personal. And I went with TransferWise as my... As my business bank, but I mean, TransferWise is great, but but I worry about holding too much money in a TransferWise account. You know, I, I would worry about have saying half a million dollars in it because if anything happened to them, it's, I, I don't know where to go to get that resolved, and I don't trust them anyway. I just don't because I don't. It's not that I don't trust them. I don't trust any banks. Mm. So. Uh, and I also know that they're not particularly fa particular fans of crypto. So, like, if I want to buy Bitcoin, yeah. I have to transfer from them uh, to Revolut, and then yeah. So I have to go through all these complicated factors. And yeah, you got to really tiptoe, you know. And mm. I mean, I, I don't like TransferWise. I loved it until I didn't love it. And like my um, <clears throat> my little um, cousin, like nineteen years of age, sends me six hundred dollars. Um, I didn't know about it until you know. I said, "Where's that money that you were sending?" Because so I could you know secretly to buy Bitcoin <laughs> for him. Um, and um, he said, "I sent it," and I was like, um, "As it turned out, that um, TransferWise had blocked it because his um, his name resembled a very common name, um, and any common name 
um, is usually red flagged because someone's money laundered under that name. And so, like for a six hundred dollar New Zealand dollar transaction, so whatever four hundred dollars, um, like uh, my whole TransferWise account got locked up and frozen. Um, and then later on, some other thing happened and the whole account froze up. I didn't even know about it because I was using it at the time. And I said, it's just not working. You know, months later, I said, oh, we've reactivated it. So there's no way I'd ever run anything um, mission critical on it. Like I had an old business um, venture that used TransferWise for billing and that did get shut down because of some glitch and that had nothing to do with crypto, you know. Um, but it got shut down um, and all the systems failed, the APIs failed, our billing system failed. Um, and like the thing is that we can't blame the um, these operators because they're just doing their best to comply and not be shut down, right? Well, they so, are, uh, they are, they're operating surveillance on behalf of the government. They're an extension exactly. of law enforcement. And so this is the thing is that um, the transmission of, of money has now become weaponized um, and it's this this kind of thing that it's like if you think about um, money, the properties of money, which you know, let's face it, very um, little of the volume is is me moving paper notes around. It is really just electronic transfer between banks. Um, and if you call this a medium of exchange, it's no longer a very good medium of exchange as a definition of money because. It's so hard to move money without it being stopped, locked, and and so it, it, it's not a medium anymore. It's being blocked, um, and people don't understand that it's being blocked until they see these issues. Um, and I'm seeing businesses that have had um, to draw on like a quarter million dollars of line of credit from the bank because the bank blocked an incoming payment for whatever reason. It's held for weeks, and like so. The friction is, you know, it's it's impacting the economy. And I'm thinking of Jack Dorsey when he founded Square. He's talking about, um, now he was saying in his research that they found that, that, that as humans, we traded with each other before we actually talked to each other. Um, and so... Um, he, he then looked at the internet and how the internet had um, really made talking to each other efficient, messaging across social media networks. He obviously had Twitter at that point. And he said, like, wow, we have really made that um, free and open and decentralized and it's really impacted the world, really radically changed the world. Yet this intrinsic human behavior to trade um, is the worst. It's the pits. It's like... If I want to accept money, it's like ridiculous weeks. Like, look at what I did. Mm. It was like four and a half months before I could accept money as a business properly, you know. And um, that's what his mission at Stripe is, you know. Mm. I'm not Stripe, so square. And um, and this is exactly what was like our medium of exchange as money, which is one of the core intrinsic um, behaviors of our society, is being, um, you know, like impeded. And untold friction and like I mean that that is like in a nutshell I think why Dorsey is um, headlong into Bitcoin because mm. it's an opportunity to restore that um, normality to our species and um, you know if you see what the internet did to the world imagine what free flows of money so 
you know, um, like entrepreneurs can interact with each other um, instantly. So when we're getting a bit of that in crypto, um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's a big topic. Anyway, it's well, a big topic. Yeah, I mean, look, I think money works for you. In a, it can work for most people in very simple scenarios, uh, especially yeah. if you go back. Let's go back like two, a decade, two decades. And a lot of money is in cash and checks and um, yeah, basic card swipes. And if you live in one country and perhaps you're a service provider to people in your community, they pay you in cash or they do a bank transfer. Like It, it kind of works on a domestic level okay. Uh, as soon as you start adding an international component, this is completely fucked. Um, I've seen it uh, everywhere I travel, ev- everywhere. I've seen it when I, I always talk about El Salvador. Of course, I do because it's our big, mm. uh, it's our big well, project. Yeah, the, the remittances, moment. you know. The whole, well, yeah. but when I was there with um, Mallers, we were there making, um, you know, b- recording the film about what's happening down there, and um, you know, they're providing a service for people to a remittance service, but they have to be also provide the ability to. Uh, offboard um, when you're out there, and he was trying to just do simple transfers of dollars from the U.S. into El Salvador, and it was an absolute nightmare. I was with people, in, <clears throat> these guys in Guatemala, and they're saying, if you ever want, you basically can't withdraw thousands of dollars from a bank account. It's like it's impossible. You just can't do it. So we're talking about our you know, banks being screwed, but even in these smaller countries, it's a lot worse. And if we didn't have Bitcoin, I, I wonder if we would just be like, oh, this is how it is. I wonder if, because we have Bitcoin, we realize how easy Bitcoin is, that we're like, well, this, none of this makes sense. And Malas always talks about final, instant and final settlement with Bitcoin, pretty much. Mm. And I, I always think of that. It's, it's like, if I want to do business with you, Willie, and you want to pay me, or I want to pay you, we send each other a Bitcoin address, and within an hour... That you know the money's going to be with us, and we're holding it. We physically have it, and if it's lightning, it's instant. And we've realised that's possible. It's possible to build a system that allows for instant and final settlement. I think one of the reasons is is that it's because it's also an international currency. The currency conversion, is, currency conversions are pain. Surveillance is a pain. Banking infrastructures are pain. One open, free, permissionless network clearly works so much better. Yeah, was, um, it's existing everywhere, right? Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. It's metaverse money. Well, um, one of the things that Parker brought up to me yesterday, he said, rather mm. than sell your Bitcoin, what you should do is go Bitcoin only. And I, I did think about I am genuinely thinking about that, that, that. It's not that difficult to do. I think I would still need to hold a probably something like a TransferWise account which allows for dollars and pounds just for things I have to pay for, like my mortgage or whatever. I can get a credit card now which converts you know, Bitcoin to cash. Yeah, cut does most. Oh. Does most. But there's certain things I'm, I, I think I might need an account for. But the only thing that ever stops me doing it, the only thing that stops me doing it, Willie, is that that idea that maybe over the space of a year I get a 50, 60, 70% haircut of my net wealth. That does work. Yeah, me. okay. I mean, it depends if you want to be Bitcoin only or whether or not, you know, you know, shock horror, be crypto only. You know, because if you're going to like... Do this right, in my opinion. You have Bitcoin. Um, you may not need to dabble in any of the um, altcoin, all that sort of stuff, but you can use stablecoins. Mm. And then, well, I, um, and I've I been thinking d- about that. You know, well, I want a dollar. If there's a dollar, I mean, this, this is one of the things where I've been defending Ethereum recently, and I've got a little bit, of, not too much shit for it, but I've just been saying it's. I find it very hard to binary dismiss Ethereum. Where when there's clearly a use case for digital dollars that exists on that 
network. And I know they exist on Tron and other things, but I'm just saying. It's, 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 yeah. It's, it's more than use. that, though. It's, I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> Sorry, well, yeah, it's fine. You go. You, well, well, the only thing I was going to add to that is that um, I was chatting to somebody last night and they, they were saying that there's a dollar stable coin coming to Liquid, which I feel a little bit more reassured about. But I, I don't want to get into that or because it's on Bitcoin, yeah. it's better. It's just but, a matter of where, like, stable coins are stable coins. They can run on any network and they will, right? So, like, the network's like, do you want to build this in Python, JavaScript, or whatever the hell um, the platform is? That's all these platforms are. Um, and that's the app that runs on it. And Stablecoin is one of the apps, like USDC runs on Solana, Tron, um, whatever, you know, Ethereum, um, all sorts. Um, and can run on, um, you know, um, the Lightning Network if you want. And so the thing is, the, oh, I lost the original interrupting thought. Is Well, I, well, I was saying really, I, I, I struggle to like binary dismiss. Ethereum. I don't like Ethereum. I would never hold ETH. I don't really want it. But but I do at the same time want to have stablecoins. No, it's been a great it's been a great experimentation platform and some really cool apps being built. And I was gonna get to back to this thing is like volatility of Bitcoin. You can be Bitcoin only, but you can have a portfolio here of Bitcoin and stablecoin. And then secondly, you can generate yield. Right, your mm. your stablecoin can generate ten percent or more yield from it, and you can actually put that into a DeFi network and um, get that kind of yield. And so you're now deeply inside the um, digital finance world, decentralized digital finance world, natively. Um, and like you know, Maximus might call DeFi networks is like a Ponzi scheme. Well, so there's lots of Ponzi being built on it, but there's some really cool shit you can do. You can put stable coins into these networks and generate yield because people do want to borrow those coins so they can go long or short the market on um, mm. margin. Um, so you know, we're seeing the you know essentially traditional finance slowly being built out on DeFi networks. You know, I can trade on Uniswap. I can trade on all manner of DEXs that are coming. Now the next thing is margin, which is happening, and then they need to borrow so we can lend and we get yield, and then you can do derivatives, you can create insurance um, products. So there's a whole thing being built here, um, and it's already ready to be used. Um, and you don't really need to be Bitcoin only and be exposed to that volatility. Um, well, there's just risk. There's risk everywhere. That's the thing. And I think it's risk planning. Um, yeah, I hold the majority of my wealth in Bitcoin, uh, but I want to hold some pounds in cash. I still hold some pounds in cash in a secret hidden place. Uh, I, I probably will hold some stable coins. I am still thinking about just getting a small amount of gold as well. Just mm. when you're thinking about every single scenario, uh, like say a hundred thousand pound of gold, which isn't like a huge part of my net wealth, but it's it's enough to say, well, if there's a scenario where for whatever reason, I, I need gold. At least I've got it. I keep thinking, you know, in a bit in property. I know some Bitcoiners are like, don't hold property, it's a scam. But I actually think it's wise to hold a bit of property. Just a, a, a range of things that you can sell if you need to in certain scenarios that protect yourself. I mean, one, I've just got back into mining um, with Compass. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, I'll tell you why I did it. Uh, well, first I did it because they're coming along as a sponsor, and I've, I always want to try the services as sponsors. But I w- I've got, I've had excess cash in the bank, and I don't want to put, it, I don't want to put all of my excess cash in Bitcoin mid bull market, right? Mm. Um, but I also don't want to hold all that cash in a bank account. So in my head, I was like, well, I can buy the ASICs, which is essentially I'm, I'm buying a, a, an asset, a capital asset, and. Um, I can sell those at any point. And at the moment, they're worth more than what I bought them for. Right. Um, 
but the prices of ASICs are a lot less volatile than Bitcoin, but but they're earning me a yield. So I think I'm like basically I'm parking cash in a, in mining equipment, which is earning yield by mining Bitcoin. So I've, in seven days I mined like eleven hundred dollars. So over the space of a month, it's going to be like four or five thousand dollars that I've mined, and I could sell those ASICs at the end of the month, probably for more than I bought them for, and I've generated five thousand dollars of Bitcoin. Now. That's something I can monitor slowly. My worry about putting it all in Bitcoin, say Bitcoin did another 50% haircut, in the short term, I don't think the ASICs take a 50% haircut. I think the ASICs take their haircut at the end of a bull market. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right because, um, well, with that last pullback, um, they'd be in demand, right? Because everyone wants to mm. plug them in. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is all about um, diversifying risk. Um, mm. And I, I thought about it because I really just want to get off banking. It's been such, you know, like when when you plan your life, you really want to plan it around what gives you energy and joy because that gives you oomph to do the stuff in the world that you want to do. And if you've got this thing that's constantly, you know, like I live quite an international life and it's constantly mm. this thorn in my side. I was like, how can I debank as much as I can so everything is easy and engaging. And so the, the thought is that actually crypto is actually at that point where I can use it, you know. Mm. I can have my Bitcoin stash. Um, I can put my cash, you know, like I have a lot of cash and the cash is that you know, if everything crashes, there's runway for years for the family. Mm. And I was like, okay, but I don't want it to be diluted. And then I was like, okay. Um, and I sold all, I um, all just my, my main house in New Zealand um, and, you know, mainly because it was a pain and it's a pain, you know, the thorn on my side, admin, houses are a pain in the butt, constant maintenance, constant issues, tenants, property management, tax compliance, all this sort of stuff. So it was taking too much of my time, so I sold the house um, and I was like, well, there goes my safe haven thing that if all shit happens, shit hits the fan, like, where do I put it? And I thought, well, it'll be cash. But, you know, in crypto, we have this cash and carry trade. Um, and there's, there's a very capital, um, newly developing capital market. It's very inefficient. So you can actually um, put money into um, funds that run, you know, ba- basically miniature versions of Alameda. Um, and they will generate for you, you know, 30 to 60% per annum. Um, wow. Like that is how inefficient the Bitcoin market is and how much long demand there is for the volatility of this asset. You know, you can sell the future, um, hedge yourself by holding the Bitcoin and you can get an easy um, 20% um, over the course of a bull market per annum. Um, But if you add to that all sorts of, um, you know, smart um, models and um, you can arbitrage funding, you can market, you do all this sort of stuff and it's, you know, these these funds don't lose money on like they you know they might go zero but they hardly ever deliver a negative week um, and it's like oh one percent this week one percent the next week and so um, that's where I I've started to look into and um, started deploying capital into it was like that's the rainy day money I can pull it out you know within a month's notice. Um, I'm generating 40 to, you know, it's market dependent, 40% plus yields. And that's better than the capital gains I get from the house. It's 
just beating um, the monetary inflation, the the money printing of the US dollar, which is around 30%. So I'm still winning against that. The house is not winning against that unless I've got a mortgage and leveraging it. Um, The house might be going up 20% per year. Unless I've got borrowing half the value of the house, I'm losing ground on that. So, you know, that's what I did. And that's a crypto... That's a crypto world. That is um, all fluid and no need to deal with banks. Um, Let me ask you another couple of questions about Substack. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people are listening like, when are you going to talk about the market? But hold on a second. <laughs> I think this stuff's quite interesting. Oh, do you know, you might not know this, I might not be able to say, but do you know if Substack are taking their cut in Bitcoin and holding in Bitcoin? Um, I, I know what's what the well. I don't think they'll mind if I say that. You know, at the moment, it's like there, there's no cut, right? They're just giving it okay. out, being very kind, giving it out for free, and they're just figuring out how they're going to monetize it. And they're going to see, it. you know, it's an experiment for them right now, and they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, so because if they took the, is it what is it? Are they generally ten percent? Generally, yeah, it's ten percent is the margin. Is that still current? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, ten percent could be. It'd be interesting if they took that 10% of Bitcoin and held Bitcoin themselves. Uh, yeah, no, that would be really interesting if they had a Bitcoin treasury like that. Um, mm. I should talk to them. You know? <laughs> they're so busy building out their you know, the immense growth in that startup. And they're, um, yeah, it'll be really, that'd be really cool if they did. Um, I think they'd get a lot of good, interesting exposure from being one of those companies. They'd, they'd get you know, the Bitcoin um, publicity. Um, I think they were really wrapped. They were really wrapped with um, just the reception they got from the Bitcoin community and the media. Um, you know, people were saying this is big. Writers can anywhere can can now write and be debanked and yet get paid and stuff like that. So I'm not sure well, if that's great true, for d- but, Well, it'd be um, great for dissident writers and yeah, people who are writing. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's quite true yet. Um, like, because OpenNode does have KYC AML compliance. So I'm not completely sure about that. Um, you'd have to talk to OpenNode. Um, I'm sure so someone it. could build it though, like a Silk Road version of uh, Substack, where anyone could write, get paid in Bitcoin, and oh yeah, BTC Pay Server, right? But yeah. that's not what's integrated into Substack. Um, mm. so. The other thing is, how do recur- recurring revenues work? Yeah, you know, if I uh, do, I have to pay for the year, and then you send out an email. Yeah, it's it's because Bitcoin's not um, pull, it's push, and the, the yeah. user has to push it in. Um, yeah, well, we just switched the billing cycle to quarterly, and so um, yeah, it's that. Like every quarter, you have to pay, or you you lose the newsletter. So to some people, that might not work very well as a writer because you might lose a lot of subscribers. Yeah, well, um, that's that that's the uh, downside that I estimate. It's like subscription businesses are great because people just. Yeah, it's like the gyms. People join a gym in January. They in February they stop going, and but they're like their membership lasts all year. Um, you're going to you're going to lose people just because they don't get round to it, or they're like, oh, this isn't. You always feel a little bit bad unsubscribing to like a, a newsletter um, or getting around to it. But I, I expect you'll have a higher drop off rate because of this. Yeah, I think so. I think you know I don't mind too much. It's like I, I think that that's just a really good signal that like. Um, you know, then letters not the right content. You know, there's this other side which is you, you're getting very high signal that you are not producing content. People aren't reading it and they're not renewing it. So you can adapt the product, and it's kind of like short term loss to long term gain because you're learning about what you really need to do. Um, so you know, I kind of think I poo poo this idea of um, 
oh, they're paying you. They don't even know you're paying you because you're writing crap and no one gives a shit. Um, but you're just siphoning money. I think that's stupid mm. and so- short-sighted. You want to be producing value. And like, I like it when I lose subscribers because I'm not providing the value they want um, because then I know, you know, that's good. And then the people who are staying with me are like the ones that are, you know, your diehard fans that like love what you do. And that just adds joy to my life that, um, you know, you don't want, you don't want this whole cruft of people paying you money and this is, it's not a reciprocal agreement. Um, You're totally right, man. Listen, I've been having a, uh, some people think a minor meltdown recently where I've just been like ranting about various things and, having a bit of like disillusionment with things. And, uh, I, you know, I have my quite open views on uh, COVID vaccinations. And I have so many people messaging me going, you should stop talking about this. You're losing uh, listeners and losing followers. And I was like, well, I don't really care. Like if I lose somebody because for saying something I believe in, then fine. Yeah, that's fine. And if I gain people, fine. But I don't want to have this like fake audience because I'm pretending I think something that isn't true. It's like, I don't, I'm not an anarcho-capitalist. I'm not really a libertarian i i am a reluctant statist and you know i'm willing to have the debates and the arguments and if i lose listeners fine fine so be it but like at least i've got the listeners who are listening to me because they think i'm authentic i'm totally with you on that willie it's total key right it's that Mm. contact of trust no like yeah and that's how it's built and I think they actually why that's why this is the top podcast because you know even right down to the finances of this podcast it's public and people trust you. Yeah, some. I mean, it, that does flip the other way though. In, in that public, I have considered stop doing the public finances just because you get shit for it, um, and there's like that en- envy thing that comes with it, and also the the um, I think I think being completely transparent fucks with some people's heads. They're like they don't mm. understand it. They're like, well, he must be lying. You know, he must be a spook. Or you know, I've got the, the latest round of accusations is that I'm a paid shill by the by like the UK government or the uh, pharma companies that, because they can't handle the fact that someone has a different opinion. Like if you believe something, they're like, well, there's there's got to be something behind this. It's like and. I've always tried to be transparent. It's like, of course, I'm not working for MI6. You fucking moron. Yeah. It's a great defense, you know, because it's like, yeah, it's 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 public. Um, well, I'm like, find the hole. I, like, uh, one of the other things is, I always thought somebody said to me early on is like, you have to be very careful with being a public face because people will try and counsel you. I was like, well, I'm just going to put everything out there, right? Okay, one, I was a drug addict, a drug addict. Two, my marriage failed. Three, I'm like, like completely. So I can never have like this gotcha. It's like here, like here's all my shit. Yes. Counsel me. <laughs> I actually, I actually kind of like some guy tweeted out the other day about um, me being like terrible for the Bitcoin community and, you know, we should end him and get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. I was like, fucking bring it on, cancel me. Like if anyone, I've had five attempts of people trying to cancel me in the last two years, like five actual attempts, uh, two completely coordinated. And I'm, I'm like, bring it on. Like if, yeah. if I deserve to be canceled, cancel me. Like let's, let's go for it. Let's fucking have it. Bring it on. And if you can't, then let's get on and produce content. But my head in Willie Next up, I talk to Willie more about the markets and Bitcoin rails. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. And listen, we're, firstly, we're going to talk about Carter. And I was with Nick Newman tonight, the CEO of Carter, talking about all the shit that's coming up for them. Now, Carter is the safest way for you to store your Bitcoin because forgotten passwords, SIM swaps, phishing attacks, there are too many ways for your Bitcoin to be lost and stolen. But with Casa, you never have to worry about your Bitcoin again because Casa is a multi-sig wallet and it allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin but only move Bitcoin by signing transactions from multiple wallets. 
ones which you get to distribute into different locations, protecting you from a range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want to find out more, you can reach out to me on my DMs or my emails, and I will get back to you. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have sportsbet.io, the very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now, with the Olympics now over, Sportsbet has got you covered for the football season. We're back on. Football is back on. Look, Tottenham have won their first two games. We've got no idea why that happened. Nobody understands why that happened. But Liverpool won their first two games too. So listen, the season's back going. If you want to bet on this, you can get out there, play some bets happily on what's happening in the football season. But you don't just need football because sportsbet.io has got you covered for everything else. It could be football, rugby, tennis. They even cover esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. To find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. And then lastly this week, it's Exodus Wallet, who I am using exclusively as my mobile and desktop wallet for my Bitcoin. Now, as you know, a regular listener, well, you might not be a regular listener, but if you are, you know that UX isn't boring to me because I'm always bitching about it. And when Exodus reached out to me and they said, Pete, we want to sponsor your podcast. I was like, well, come on. I need to have a play with the app. I need to check this shit out. And you know what? They crushed it. And that is why I'm happy to recommend it to my friends, my family, and of course, recommend it to you. Now, Exodus Desktop gives you a way to secure and manage your Bitcoin in one beautiful application. And with their mobile wallet, you can send and receive safely using a QR code or address, knowing that Exodus automatically checks all addresses for errors. So if you want to check this out, head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple App Store. Anyway, listen, we're 45 minutes in. We haven't even talked about the market. We should talk about it because people are going to be like, well, this is what we're Yeah, that's like, this is the worst show ever. And it's like, yeah, um, shut the fuck up. You should cancel the show. <laughs> yeah, cancel Pete, cancel Willie. Probably won't get the downloads now. I'll just get rid of you for the downloads. It's like, we only did, we only did 30 downloads. <laughs> we're we're un- undermining this, the show right now by yeah. getting 45 minutes and not talking about the math. <laughs> we, should, we should just, you know, should we not talk about it at all? Just really piss people off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we should. Look, listen, the way I. Okay, Okay, firstly, also tell me if I'm this is new or not. There was a uh, important note within your forecast this month that all forecasts are probabilistic. Blah blah. Has that note always been there? Uh, it's been going on for a few months now. Um, I didn't know if that was new. Like I, like um, I put on disclaimer, but no one reads disclaimers. And then I was like, no, I've got it. And actually, one of the things was when I did the the forecast, um, I think we I was on a like ten in a row. There's a decent number of rows of forecasts. It was um, correct. And I think I made a mistake of saying of not saying this is probabilistic. I am gonna be wrong and eventually it's gonna sting you. And um, because a lot of people are just like they just thought it's just like clockwork, you know? Mm. Um, crystal ball. It's just nothing's like clockwork. It's not a crystal ball, right? Um, so, you know, the first wrong one, I got massive backlash, you know. Um, oh, no, no, the first wrong one was not too bad because it was a sideways band and I went sideways one way and it went sideways the other, not too bad. But there was another I called bullish on an absolute top and and people were like very scathing. And then I was like, and so eventually I was like, no, I've got to get this across and I think I have to reword it in a way that's more catchy. Like, you're going to get wrecked, you know, and then put in like why this is probabilistic. Um, 
So, and it all, it, and the thing is, the accuracy of this stuff, I believe, is going to get worse over time. Um, mm-hmm. It should do. Yeah, it should do. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, on chain is a known thing now. This is data symmetry, is like what we're, we were really working with is data asymmetry. We had information, you can analyze it, and the market wasn't digesting that into their um, pricing of the, of the asset. Now that they are, um, it's closed the gap. Um, and so you can be wrong more often because the market already knows that information. It's whether or not they can dissect it to the same degree of accuracy um, or reliability. So it's going to get worse. Um, and so that needs to be clear. Well, listen, I'm uh, quite bullish at the moment. Already, uh, I mm-hmm. think this move up from like twenty nine to forty five ish, it felt quite steady. It didn't mm-hmm. feel, it didn't feel as aggressive as the you know the move up uh, the start of the bull market. And uh, I'm feeling quite bullish about it. There's a lot of s- signals pointing in good directions for Bitcoin right now. There's I saw a thing about potential futures ETF coming maybe in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much weird stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of people asking about Bitcoin. I'm I'm feeling quite bullish right now. Um, I know you see there's a, a bearish divergence at the moment, but I feel like we might stabilize above 50k pretty soon. Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, like um, it was locally bearish, um, and the last letter, I don't know. Um, I, like I thought I worded it correctly. People just thought it was hugely bearish. Um, I see it was medium sized bearish in the short term. But I didn't talk about the um, outer bullish environment that it's in because I just see it's unchanged from the last letter. Um, so that kind of maybe people don't see the bullish note on it um, because that was a very um, fast to put out letter because it was very timely data. Um, it only happened within 24 hours, and um, and you know we've since seen it pull back. But um, I wanted to get it out there because the data was there. And I didn't have time to cover the normal macro and all that stuff. This is like a fast alert. And if you want the bigger macro, then go to the last letter. Um, and it is bullish. It's obscenely bullish. Um, so this was just a document to um, you know, what's already somewhat played out. So it's no secret. Um, this pullback, um, you know, it's yet to see how deep it pulls back. But I don't think it's going to be that major. It's kind of medium. Um, but the greater environment's amazing. Like we've never seen um, this structure before. Um, and what are you seeing? Like, gosh, like you know, every um, bottom of a bear uh, bear market, there's an accumulation ban. Um, the like, latest research um, that I've been doing is riffing off some of the stuff that Phil Will Clemente created, which is the ratio, you know, of um, you know. A bunch of coins that people um, like, you know, the Rick Astley is the ratio of Rick Astley who doesn't ever sell Never gonna keep to, to to DGN Trader, right? DGN Trader and Rick Astley, who's got more coins? You know, you run the ratio and you get this what I call a supply shock. And it's, it's a ratio of like the coins that you're not going to get, bro, <laughs> versus <laughs> the coins that um, you might be able to get. Right. So the more coins you cannot get versus, you know, as that grows, the price 
the price usually goes up. So you run that ratio and you, it tracks price very closely. And this is where you can go, well, it's going down, the price is going up, then price has got to come back down because um, the demand and supply between Rick Astley and DGN Trader has um, moved the other way to DGN who, who are going to buy and sell and, and short the market. You know, So, um, so the, the entire market is like dictated by Rick Astley versus the DGN. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting. Like um, one of Kessley's uh, cousins wrote in onto the newsletter. So funny. Um, anyway, no way. Yeah, he he's totally, a he, he's a national treasure. He said he said something like um, he said something like I don't think he'd mind at all. I think he, he he'd love that. Um, like so, I was like, oh, good. He's not going to sue me using his brain. <laughs> he um, is a national treasure. I think his song, that song's, is like one of the, the one of the ones that's done over a billion views on YouTube or something. Oh, something there wasn't there a fourth piece. There was someone did a long piece on um, this, you know, this meme, this um, this this whole, you know, Rick Rick rolling, and now it's done <laughs> X billion dollars, uh, X billion um, views on YouTube, which is that's significant revenue, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, so anyway, so you can run that ratio and like um, it's actually just a method um, of demand and supply because you have to figure out what um, is what, what are the coins you cannot buy versus the coins you can buy. Um, and you can do different things like what's in cold storage that's not on exchanges versus on exchange because you probably can buy the coins that are sitting on exchanges. You're not going to be able to buy the coins sitting in cold storage. Right, so you, that could be another view, um, but there's an interesting view that the um, Glass Note guys do, which is they look at um, the coins that date beyond 155 days, five months. If they've been sitting in wallets five months, we call that long-term holders because they haven't moved those coins in five months. The short-term holders are moving back and forth, back and forth. But once they graduate into five months, we consider them long-term. So you can do that ratio of long-term holders; you can't buy their coins versus short-term, which is below that threshold. And that's a really slow-moving graph because um, the the other stuff is reactive. You know, you can trade over the weekly cycle, but this stuff is a macro. It takes five months for a long-term holder to figure out for us to figure out that's long-term. So it's very smooth charts, and every single bottom of the bear market, you see that peak. The long-term holders are at maximum accumulation. They've got the most of the coins, um, and then as the market runs up. They start to divest and they take the profits, and the short-term guys start to buy in because they're the new guys in there. And so, when the long-term holders start to lose their um, supply of the coins, um, that starts to approach a top, right? And but this is a macro cycle thing, so you see it. You know, you would have saw it at the um, 2015-2014 bottom. You saw it at the the 2019 bottom, and actually, you saw it over the um, like the 2020 where we came back down, there was COVID crisis, there was Michael Saylor scooping up all the coins. Um, and that was another peak um, of, of long-term holders accumulating and we're moving into a peak and we will be at a peak at current rates by next month. Um, and that means peak accumulation, right? Peak accumulation means that's defining this kind of sideways band and then after that, we do a run-up. Like the last run-up was ten thousand to sixty thousand, starting from October um, last year. The run-up before that was from four thousand to fourteen thousand over a matter of months. Um, 
So if October we start to peak and we don't know how long that accumulation ban is, we're starting to look into November onwards to go, that's when the run-up happens. Um, like that, That's like all the coins are being scooped up by these long-term guys and November's when the ETF launches is like what the SEC is making comments about. We'll probably release or um, allow an ETF around November timeframe. Um, that will be uh, bullish as fuck. Right. And then you take a look at that and you go, whoa, well, even if that doesn't happen, whatever the policy is, but just the structure of the market is like, this thing is going to go nuts. Um, mm-hmm. We're now going to approach into November, December with all these coins locked up by the long-term guys. And um, we know that when that happens, price is going to do a like a run-up, like the 2017 run-up, the, you know, the first part of this year run-up. Um, and I'm like going, whoa, we're underpricing this this bull market into 2022 um, because everyone think is thinking four year cycles, um, mm. and it's like we're breaking the four year cycle. Potentially. I feel like that's yeah. I and I yeah. want us to break the four year cycle. Well, really, I really want us to break the four year cycle because. A, a predictable four-year cycle is really good for an individual who understands how to play it, play it and plays it. Right? It, it, it is. But I just, I want it over with. Yeah. Because it, I want to take that volatility out. I want, I, just selfishly, I want Bitcoin to be more usable as a, as a unit mm. of account for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it's the four-year cycle is that one year and it's just horrific, right? Um mm. And, you know, like the way I look at it, you know, I'm like, people thought, is it a four-year cycle? Is it a lengthening cycle? But I'm like going, no, it's either a four-year cycle because we're locked into the gravity of Bitcoin's miners in the halvening cycle. And then there's the, um, there's the uh, macro cycle, which, you know, these are gravitational pulls. And it's going to like, we're going to go four years or we're going to get pulled into the macro economics, which is roughly 10 years and we're going to go binary to being correlated to any other world asset. Like it's, it'll be like that. And so, if we break this, and let's say it doesn't start caving in 2022, and it just falls back into another four-year thing, but the demand and supply is sufficient for that escape velocity, and all of these complications and interactions of the new um, Bitcoin ecosystem, and um, you know, like. Um, Really, it was very simple before. It was just miners half the amount of dumping onto the market, and that's the impulse. Now we've got like volatility um, impacts, how much volume is traded. Those kind of impacts impact how much is selling on the market because those infrastructure guys um, dump, right? Because they dump their their collected Bitcoin revenues and fees into the market. ETFs are the same. They collect their thing, they dump their fees, they dump it on the market. So there's this very complex interaction now. And um, so one thing that I can see is highly probable is that um, you know, a little bit like is tell me, is Dan's uh, Dan held super cycle, is he saying we skip a cycle or is he saying this is the full on thing and we no longer He's saying, um, well, he doesn't know. He's it, it's a theory, a bit like Plan B's uh, S2F model is is mm-hmm. a model, and and S2F is a, a model until it breaks, right? So we will, the model will either 
continue through and we will see 150, 200,000k Bitcoin and then we'll drop whatever and the model will continue or it breaks. Dan's is similar, it's a theory. He has a theory that we might go into a super cycle and I, 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 I'm trying to remember it because I covered it in the show with him. We, I asked him what would what would cause it to be a super cycle and I think he said it would be less, I can't, I'm trying to remember, less than a 50% drop from the top. Because we've been used to 80%, 70-80%. Oh, be less than 50% uh, from the top and then continue back up. Okay. So, and I think that was his theory on the super cycle. Um, there's a lot of things pointing at a super cycle because I, I, I think that the, the four-year cycle makes sense when you look at it through the lens of retail investors, uh you know, and you look at the lens through miners and the halving cycle, and you also look through tr- like the um, you know, greed and fear kind of index, right? It kind of makes sense. But I think so much stuff is plowing into Bitcoin. If you have an ETF or multiple ETFs, you have a nation adopting Bitcoin, you have massive amounts of inflation coming in and people realizing about Bitcoin. I think you can you can be I think they are the things that point to the fact that you won't have that for your cycle you won't have that 80 percent drawdown mm. um you know perhaps we say we I mean we could go up to like 150k at the end of the year and early next year drop to 100 but then go up to 200k by the end of next year if the, the, I think the cycle will get b- broken by there being a much bigger market of Bitcoin buyers and sellers yeah so like when I think of cycles I think about the x-axis the the time. Um, component, mm. which is four years. And I was interested to see if these, these super cycles, we skip a cycle and we come back. It's an eight-year bull run and then we come back. And um, mm. But I think what's happening is that we break the four-year and once we break it, it's essentially like this thing that's reached escape velocity and we're no longer pulled into the four-year mining cycle. And um, and you can see it already. The price is doing this drunken wonder of price discovery and it's not this these nice parabolics we saw before. And I think mm. we just wander. We just keep wandering up and down, up and down as Bitcoin adopts and gets to saturation. Um, without these, like 50% was the last pullback, um, which we just had. And like, well, that was the last one. That's a good um, kind of barometer of what we can expect in the future and it'll get less and less and less. And um, then we have these correlations to macroeconomics. Um so that's it. Like that's the big revelation is that's the first solid bit of on-chain data-driven um, suggestion that we've reached escape velocity. Um, and um, like that's getting me pretty excited. And I'm like going, yeah. whoa! The ma- I looked at the options market and I was seeing what these call options were. Um, you know, making a bet out into 2022 of what Bitcoin price will be. And I'm like going, well, this is, seems pretty undervalued based on these new models. And mm. I'm like going, yeah, the market's not pricing this in yet. I don't think they are. So I don't think so. Yeah. So like it's I think it's a very interesting opportunity because everyone's thinking one thing and um, the latest stuff we can see in the data um, between the investors is that it's not going to repeat. And this cycle is not a 2013 double pump in a, a blow-off top. This is completely different. This is the new 2020 onward cycle, which we've never seen before. And I mean, even even at the start of this year, I see the structure is completely different from 2013. Like you can look at price and go, oh yeah, it's going to be a 2013. But if you look on chain, it's like a completely different structure. Never seen it before. So um, yeah, and, and even like at the start of the year, they were going, 
you know, what do you think is going to happen at the top, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like going, I'll tell you when we get there with like third, fourth quarter, I'll have more information. And now it's starting to come in. Um, and it's like really interesting, you know. It was like, wow, mm. this is very promising. We're going to have another run and like forget um, December sell-off, which has happened every other top. Um, it's, it's yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's good news. Well, like I say, I'm bullish as fuck, mate. I can, I could, I've, I'm more bullish now than I think I have been at any point during this bull market. Um, I've been accumulating Bitcoin again, and I don't, uh, I don't like buying Bitcoin mid bull market. I don't, mm. just in case I'm wrong. Um, but I am accumulating again, um, and yeah, I'm bullish. Uh, I'm, in, I'm getting into the mining, and I'm. Uh, I'm, I hold more Bitcoin now than at any other point during this uh, bull market, and uh, you know, and I did sell off a little bit for my um, little venture into buying a few cars earlier this uh, <laughs> year. But but um, yeah, no, I'm I'm really bullish. So um, we'll see see how it plays out, man. Mm. Uh, cool. I guess I wonder what to title this show. I might I I. I could call it bullish as fuck, and I'm telling you, we'll get 150,000 downloads. Or I could say, I could do like a rant or two with the banking infrastructure. Banking I'll get 50,000. <laughs> banking the banking rant, and it'll be like 50,000. Have I tricked people? <laughs> fuck. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, always good to talk to you, Willie. Love this. When am I going to see you in person? Oh, I, th- I think neither at this stage, eh? The world's not opening up. <laughs> oh, man. Are you not thinking of getting out? Well, you know, I've got. A baby, a newborn baby. Um, traveling's not easy um, like that. And like, if I'm going to come home, it's a three-week quarantine. Um, try doing that from a hotel room with a newborn if you're going to take the newborn or not seeing your newborn for a month or more. Uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no. Um, so. Well, at some point, man, we'll make it We'll make it work at some point. Um, look, good to talk to you. Uh, appreciate uh you giving me a little bit of a pep talk and uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean it. I'll see you in a month, man. Yeah. All right. I'll catch you next month, I hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, we would we we will continue. There's uh, I need to update my uh, Substack as well to pay. Well, I don't actually I don't want to give you my Bitcoin. <laughs> I like I like the incentive though of the uh oh, it's only for new people, right? You're not gonna double my rate. No, no, everyone's just grandfathered in the old stuff. Um what we will uh, we will do is we'll stop the annual subscriptions. Um just because I, I want the ability to pivot the, the the letter and change formats and stuff. And if you're committed for a year, then it makes it pretty difficult. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, I will see you in a month. Bullish as fuck. And uh, yeah, we'll see where we are. I, hopefully, uh, I've got a feeling, do you know, I've got a feeling by the time we speak next, we might have had a new all-time high. And not out of the question. Definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, it's not out of the question. Yeah. you got good instinct, right. I think, for the most part. Yep. <laughs> That's because I read your letter that I pay for that everyone else should subscribe to. <laughs> right, anyway, I've got to yeah. go to Dallas. Good okay. see you, man. Enjoy. Catch you later. Well, come on. What did you make of that? It's pretty fucking bullish, right? Now, this one was a bit different. I know we didn't touch on the markets as much as we used to do. We were like talking about it at the end. But this natural conversation flowed. And you know what? It's good to talk to Willie about this, to find out what he really thinks about Bitcoin. What he thinks about payment rails. You know, is he just a trader or is he a guy who totally gets the Bitcoin? So it's great to talk to him about all of this stuff. And I know you lot are going to enjoy it because you always like listening to Willie. And even though I've been like flirting with the idea of moving on from this show because, you know, I just want to focus on creating content which is like better for Bitcoin and humanity. I can't get rid of Willie. I can't get rid of Willie. 
how can I do that? Anyway, listen, I know you enjoyed this one, but as ever, if you've got any questions, you can hit me up in my Telegram group or you can hit me up on my email, which is hello or whatbitcoindid.com. Outside of that, look, if you want to support the show, I've told you every week, if you haven't done it, well, you're obviously a dickhead. But if you do want to support the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review and I will love you loads for it. Outside of that, have a great rest of your week and I will see you all very soon.